Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello there, Edwin. Hello, Andrew. Look at this, February 6, 2023. Yeah. I'm it's a Monday, and we're getting this day, and this week started off right looking at God's Word together here on Text Talk. Absolutely. We are moving on to the next psalm, Psalm 76. Yes, Psalm 76. That's the spirit. We love 76. <laughs> <laughs> However, today, I know normally, because my go-to translation is the ESV, we normally kick off the week reading from the ESV, I'd actually like to read from the Lexham English Septuagint. Well, as you are a man of both principle and pattern, there must be a very good reason why you'd want to read from (laughs) the Septuagint. There is, and and, uh, we'll get into that when we talk about it. But I bring that up right now because actually in the Septuagint, this is Psalm 75. So there are some differences then in the Septuagint and... And I guess what our, our English Bibles is that the way to say that? Yeah, in the in the modern way we have Bibles, it, even the Masoretic text, there's yes. a little a little bit of difference, and there's some there's some numbering difference because there were Psalms that they put together in the Septuagint yes. early on, and so it threw off the numbering a little bit. But so Septuagint is a translation of these Old Testament scriptures from Hebrew into Greek. Yes, it was a canon about the second century BC. About the second century. Uh, Septa 70, 70, yeah, because the tradition is there are 70, 70 translators, translators working together to bring this um, document to bear, mm-hmm. and that it is it was the preferred um, what Bible, I guess, for our New Testament writers. We see it quoted quite yes, a bit. We yes. can tell because there are some differences translate translationally. There are you know just different words, different order, mm-hmm. and a lot of times when you see the quotes, it's apparent that they were reading from that Greek translation. Yeah. I'm, If I understand it correctly, the word Septuagint originally technically referred to the Torah, okay, and then there was the, the rest of the Greek translation that is often just called the Old Greek, but it's kind of, we've kind of gotten to where we just call the whole thing the Septuagint, sure. is my understanding. Sure. And so often when people refer to it, you'll see it as the LXX. Mm-hmm. using those Latin numbers, those Roman numerals, to say 70, 70, the Septuagint, L being 50, and then the two Xs being 10 and 10. And 70. so just what you were about to read for us today mm-hmm. is an English translation of a Greek, a Greek translation, translation of Hebrew. Yeah. And when uh, we're following along in our Bibles, what we're looking at is an English translation of Hebrew. Right? Normally, yeah. Normally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in our Bibles. In our yes. Bibles. In, in, like, our, uh, in, our, yeah, in our modern ESV. English Bibles, they are typically based on the Masoretic text, okay. which was a text family that came uh, came about by the Masoretes right. that were about a century after Jesus, actually, mm-hmm. as they gathered together the manuscripts that they had, formed it into a text. They're the ones that added the vowel markings that we right. know of today. And so I, actually, let me let me I th- also. I think make they something. were working down like in the Sinai Peninsula as well, weren't they? I, you know what? Honestly, that I don't know. Okay, all right. Uh, let me let me make one other clear uh, clarification here, because when we call the Septuagint a Greek translation, it's not a Greek translation of the Masoretic text. So when we have our right. when we have our English Bibles. It is based on that Masoretic text, the text mm-hmm. that the Masoretes there in the I think again about the second century uh, A.D. Uh, put together, and of course, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls have demonstrated that they did a really good job. We've got all kinds of evidence that they maintained it well up to that point, so there's no worry about that. 
However, when we see the differences in the Greek translation, the Septuagint, uh, I think what we recognize is that there were some differences. And so it's not, the Septuagint is not the Greek translation of the Masoretic text. There was, you know, it's, it's three or four hundred years before the Masoretic right. text, and you know they were working with whatever manuscripts they had. Yeah. So it's it's two different traditions. Now again, as we say, I, I just want to make sure we understand fully here, not oversimplifying things. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want us to get all worried about it. The differences mm-hmm. are again minutia. Yeah, they don't produce. Oh no, there's there's some completely different prophecy. Right. Uh, okay. Right. So anyway. Yeah. Well, but, no, we've been talking listen, about this for about four minutes. Maybe is, we should read it. This is healthy for okay. me, and I appreciate Good. you going over it with me again. Yeah. So, and I'll explain why I wanted to start here in just a minute, but let's just go ahead and read this, because in the Septuagint, and I'm reading this English translation of the Septuagint from Lexham, here we go with the heading. For the end, among hymns, a psalm by Asaph, a song to the Assyrian. God is known in Judah, in Israel his name is great, and his place was in peace, and his abode was in Zion. There he crushed the mighty things of the bow, weapon and sword and battle. There he shall break the horn. You shine wonderfully from eternal mountains. All the senseless in heart were troubled. They slept their slumber, and all men of riches found nothing with their hands. From your censure, O God of Jacob, the ones who tread upon the horses slumbered. You are awesome, and who will resist you from your anger? From the heavens you heard justice. The earth feared and kept quiet when God arose for justice to save all the meek in heart. For the inward thought of a person will give thanks to you, and a remnant of inward thought will celebrate you. Pray and repay to the Lord our God. All who are around him will bring gifts to the awesome one and to the one who takes away the spirits of the rulers, to the awesome one beyond the kings of the earth. Okay, so I'm following along in my... uh... English uh, New King James here, and one of the first differences I noticed, maybe the biggest difference I noticed actually, was in the heading. Um, As you just read the heading there, this is a song to the Assyrian, I think you said. And uh, whereas in my Bible, it just leaves off a song, a song. And um, we've really, or I'll just speak for myself, I've gotten a lot out of the headings of the Psalms. Yeah. I mean, they've really helped to kind of put a place for it. And particularly when we understand one of the functions of these Psalms is to memorialize in poetry the mighty deeds of gods and various events. The idea that there is a Psalm, and this is a call out for you Assyrians, you <laughs> yeah. know, yeah. a declaration of the true God to the Assyrians, but then also probably memorializing some of the dealings that God's people Israel had with the Assyrians. And some of those were some pretty violent dealings. So the Greek the, the Greek tradition here, the Greek uh, assertion, essentially comes down to, as you read the psalm, a- as the Greeks put this in their Psalter, it seems they attribute it to the time of the Assyrian conquest over Israel and then coming to attack Jerusalem Okay, and what happened surrounding that time. Mm-hmm. And it's this, the reason why I wanted us to go ahead and kick off by reading that Septuagint was actually to get that heading in yeah. to realize that way, 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 way back, even though the Masoretic text doesn't have it. And so our English Bibles don't show it way, 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 way back. The understanding was we've got a Psalm that is written mm-hmm. um, with the Assyrian 
Mm-hmm. Uh, con- uh, conquest with the Assyrian attack and siege of Jerusalem yeah. in mind, and the great victory that God perpetrated there. We can read about it in Second Kings chapter eighteen and nineteen, when Sennacherib brings his army, sends the Rabshakeh. There's a lot of reviling of God, and Hezekiah prays, and God yeah. says, "Okay, I'll take care of that." And in one night, kills one hundred eighty-five thousand in the Assyrian army. Yeah, and Sennacherib has to run back home. And uh, actually, ultimately, ends up getting killed, even in the house of his God, by right. his sons. Yeah. So there's this uh, there's this fantastic picture that as Yahweh has been reviled, he defeats the army, sends them running, and their king, when he gets co- home, can't even be protected in his own God's house. Yeah. And so from the Septuagint, we see way way back the understanding that that's that's where this psalm was taking place. We have the. Uh, record of that in Second Kings, as you mentioned, a psalm here that uh, also appears to be memorializing these events, and then a bit of archaeological corroboration yes. that when Sennacherib writes his own records of deeds on a stella, that's actually been discovered and preserved, and that's a fascinating read yeah. that I was reading over again recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my understanding so. is, is that the one where he, he's recounting all the places that he goes and he destroys, and he talks about how much destruction, but then when he gets to Israel, all he says is, and I trapped him like a bird, and then he moves yes. on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No destruction, no... Jerusalem so, never fell. Yeah, so here's Sennacherib writing his account, and he really tries to make himself look good. He yes. certainly doesn't write, oh, I got beat, and I got sent packing, but but the, the difference between how he talks about all the destruction and defeat that he perpetrated against all these other kingdoms, yes. and then you get to Jerusalem, and it's just... And I shut him up like a bird. Now let's move on to the next thing. And with the specific name Hezekiah. Oh, which yeah. Is okay. the other, you know, the other thing. I shut up Hezekiah like a bird yeah. in Jerusalem. Yeah. And so he talks about the siege there, but drops the name of the king, and it just lines right up with the Bible. What a fascinating thing. Yeah. So I, I, we needed to set that stage because I know that's not only today's now very brief discussion, but the rest of the week we'll be coming back to that as we, as we in our conversations. But one of the other fascinating things in this psalm is this psalm is organized around four passive verbs. Mm-hmm. We find one in verse 1, in verse 4, in verse 7, and then in verse 12. Um, in verse 12. By a passive verb. Mm-hmm. Passive verbs about God. Okay? okay. And so it's God, it's verbs that instead of saying, here's what God did, it's here's what God is. Okay. It's, 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 a, it's a thing that's happening to him or about him rather than something that he does. So for instance, in verse one, it says in Judea, God is known. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's, it's about God. Mm-hmm. It's not that God knows something that would be an active verb. It is that God is known. Okay. Right? So that's, that's the first one. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the others, or I'd like to, as the week goes on sure. today, it kicks off with this thing about God is known in Judah mm-hmm. or in Judea, or even in Israel, he goes on in the na- second half of the verse. And what we learn is that God, Yahweh is the God who is known. Mm -hmm. He's not the God who is hidden. He's not the God who is just utterly, completely mysterious. He's not the God who they hope that they can just find one day. They're searching for him and hunting for him. He is the God who is known. Now, that's a passive verb. They know him, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is known, but that does demonstrate some activity. Yeah. In the sense that he has revealed himself. He has made himself known. 
And really, this picture calls to mind, and, and I know we're, we're already almost out of time because of what we were talking about with the Septuagint, but it really goes back to when God revealed himself in Exodus, especially, I think, here in two passages we're supposed to recognize. We've got, first of all, in Exodus chapter 3, when God at the burning bush shows himself to Moses, and Moses asks him, okay, if I go, when I go to these people and they ask me, who are you? Uh, what, what's your name? What do you want me to tell them? And he says, look, I am. I am who I am. You tell them the I am has sent you. And then he brings up that, that, that tetragrammaton, those four mm-hmm. letters, mm-hmm. yod Hey vav Hey y Y-H-W-H. And he says, that's who I am. We, we often pronounce it today either Jehovah or Yahweh. He says, you tell them Yahweh sent you, and this is how I'm going to be remembered for the rest of time. And then what he really demonstrates is that he is about to really reveal who he is. And we come back to it in chapter 6. And in chapter 6, God points out that with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they knew him as El Shaddai. They knew him as God Almighty. But they didn't understand Yahweh. I, I think probably they knew the word Yahweh because mm-hmm. we find it like 165 times in Genesis. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. But, but they didn't know what it meant. And in Exodus chapter 6, God says, I want you to know what my name means. And so in Exodus 6 and verse 6, he says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am Yahweh your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am Yahweh. Here is God saying, when we're done with this thing in Exodus, when we're done with this thing in Egypt, after these 10 plagues, after you cross the Red Sea, when I bring you to Sinai, you're going to know what Yahweh means. And they did. Well, they were supposed to. <laughs> no, God revealing his name and who he is and through mighty deeds. And I, and I certainly see that here in Psalm 76 in verses 1 through 3. If This is memorializing, particularly the victory delivered at the time of Hezekiah. Uh, Judah, God is known and his name is great in Israel. Well, Israel had gotten steamrolled by Assyria, and many cities in Judah had fallen as well. But where was the fire line? Where was it that God showed up and delivered them? Where were the arrows broken and the shields smashed, right? He says his tabernacle is in Salem, his dwelling in Zion. At Jerusalem. Yeah, and so here is the city that withstands. Here is God showing up, and he is great. In this great deed, they know his name. And he's shown himself as a covenant keeper because he keeps the covenant with Moses and Mm -hmm. Israel, and then here, the covenant with David. Mm -hmm. That's Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. And the problem is the northern kingdom had, well, they'd forgotten what his name meant. But Hezekiah was remembering. Yes. And so they were delivered. And we can't know him unless he reveals himself. And yeah. so we, we praise God that he makes himself known. Absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and wrap us up with a prayer, brother? Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for today, the time that we can open up your word and to read this Psalm 76. Father, it uh, encourages us to dig deeper into your word, to see, Father, more about your mighty deeds and your deliverances. Father, your name is great and to be praised. And we pray, Father, that we might come to know you ultimately and truly in Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to lift up your word, your name, wherever we go. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.